What another great Sunday. If you walked in on accident today, it is our grand opening here at Genesis Metro Church. Um, I would try to take some time and explain it all, but it would take too much time. But just suffice it to say, uh, we are so glad if you are a guest with us today that you have come to celebrate, to worship, to check us out, to hopefully find a church family. And we're going to be doing a series over the next several weeks that just explain our core values that we've wrapped into five promises. And that first promise is, is that we promise to preach the truth. Um, and in today's culture, I know that sometimes it seems like it's hard to find truth. Um, for instance, if you lean left, then you're a CNN person. And if you lean right, you might be a Fox News, Newsmax type person. And they are talking about the same subject, but they are not saying the same thing. Would you guys, would you guys agree? And then politicians, as they move from state to state, the message changes a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, you know, maybe election to election sometime. Anyway, I'm just saying that, that when you're trying to find truth, sometimes even textbooks uh, begin to change, right? Like all of us that are Gen X and above, like Pluto was a planet, and now apparently it's a star. Like what happened? What happened? Everything I thought I knew in life, turns out. So as you're trying to find these objective universal truths, I think that you'll find that you have to start and end with God. And I hope today that I can preach a message to you that's directly from the heart of Jesus and that you would see that um, if you were to believe what God has to say in his word, that it would improve your life. And not only that, you would find that God has designed a divine destiny for your life. And that when you are surrendered to his word and to his will, that's when you find God's best for your life. And so I hope today that I can come across in that way. Um, I'm going to go straight to the theologian Yoda uh, to start off with. And we're going to watch this clip. and It's going to be an appetizer for today's message. We'll never get it out now. So certain are you. Always with you, it cannot be done. Do you nothing that I say? Master, moving stones around is one thing. This is totally different. No, no different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. All right, I'll give it a try. No. Try not. Do. Or do not. There is no try. And the church said, and I can't tell you how many times I've said that to my kids. Every parent that's tried to teach your kid how to do something, you like, they bring you the math. A lot of times it's the math. Has anybody ever found that to be true? It's like they bring you the math and they're like, I just can't do it but they haven't done anything. Has anybody ever like learned that? Like math is one of those things where it's progression, it's trial and error. And I'm just like, just do something, write one line. Anyway, I get a lot of, I get upset, you know, it's like do or do not, there is no try. Today we're gonna be talking about believe or believe not. 
There is no try. He said, always with you, it's what can't be done. And I know that I have some negative Nellies in the room, some people that are just naturally bent toward pessimism. And I hope that today you might hear this word and that you should realize that, yes, there are some things that are impossible with man, but that all things are possible with God. And the church said, amen. And so why do we need this truth of God in our lives? I want to give you three premises. Without truth, number one, there is no foundation that is reliable. Most of you are familiar with this image of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? And I'm sure that you know that the architect did not design it to be a natural hazard. They designed it to be perfectly straight. And yet, whenever it was finished, what happened was is that the ground was unstable and then it caused the foundation to tilt. And so whenever we don't have the correct foundation, and I would submit to you without truth, you can never have the correct foundation. And you yourself know by trial and error that there's been some times in your life where you didn't live according to truth. And pretty soon, you started leaning the wrong way. Pretty soon, things started showing as time went on because it's revealing that there's something wrong at a foundational level. We need truth as a foundation upon which we can build our lives. When the world is ever-changing, the great thing about truth is that truth never changes. Truth is not even on your side. It's not on my side. Truth is itself its own witness. And so I hope today you would realize how important truth is. Secondly, without truth, there is no standard that is stable. Um, let's look at this one. Does everybody know what that is? Let's say it out loud. $20 bill. Okay, I was going for money. Um, whenever you think about your money for everybody that is above the age of 30, okay, uh, is your money worth the same amount as it was five years ago? Is it worth the same amount it was 10 years ago? Did it get more valuable as we've gone along? Oh, I don't understand. It's the same piece of paper. How is it not worth the same amount? Now, without jumping off into macroeconomics, which I'm sure many of you are like, please, more. When you make more of it, right, and you change the standard, then all of a sudden, this truth becomes unstable. So what it was once worth is no longer worth that because the standard that it was tied to changed. And I think you'll find that everything in life that is man-made is like this, is that it is able to be changed. It is not forever. And so whenever we tie our things to things that aren't stable, all of a sudden, if you used to believe that you could get out of every situation with more money, you will quickly realize that there are some situations that you can't buy your way out of. And I can think about when you were a kid, I want you to think about what you could get for $20. I just want, just want everyone in here to think. And like, if you're over 60, then like you could buy this whole building for $20. I grew up with parents and it was like, man, you wanted a quarter. I mean, you had to work for get that quarter. Anybody else grow up in that generation? Yeah. And so it's like the value of money seems like it's, it's lost. And so today I would encourage you that 
money is not true. <laughs> money will lie to you, and people will lie to you about what money can do. The last one is whenever we uh, want to navigate this world without truth, there is no path that is navigable, all right? Um, now, for those of you that are directionally challenged, we did this in the, in the first service. It was a lot of fun. So we're going to try it in the second service, okay? So some people naturally just know north, south, east, west at any given moment. And those of us that know north, south, east, west are married to people that don't, okay? So that's how God allows you to procreate and the human race to survive, okay? So... Um, we're going to count to three, and everybody's going to point to where you think north is, okay? Okay, on the count of three, one, two, three, point. All right. Love it. Love it. You know what? I like it that some people went like this. <laughs> like, in their mind, they saw a map, right? And it's like, north, south. Um, I knew a couple we are good friends with, and... Um, she drives by feel, and um, I don't know. If, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but they 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 say that they 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 felt like they needed to go this direction, right? I just felt like north was that way, you know. And north isn't a feeling, you know. It's it's a direction, you know. It's it's amazing how. And then I had another friend that they would argue. I'll always argue with, with Google. So we'd be driving down the road and Google would be like, a thousand feet, turn right. We're a thousand feet and we're still going straight. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, ah, I just didn't trust it. You know, I'm like, you didn't trust the all knowing Google? I'm just saying if we're, if we're going between Google and you, Google. How are you going to navigate all of the twists and turns in life without truth? I will tell you, you're going to get incredibly lost without truth in your life. Your marriage is going to get all kinds of messed up without truth in your life. Trying to aim your children in the way that they should go without absolute truth is impossible. So it shouldn't be what mom and dad says, that's the law. Like I, don't, I, I grew up in that household, right? And my children grew up in that household. You'll do it, why? Because I said so. Anybody, like, you know? Like I don't need greater than that because I am the authority, right? But I wanna translate my kids once they get to the later teenage years and then certainly when we launch them, it's not because of dad saying it. It's because God says it, right? Because when they get out, away from me, it, I'm not going to be there to tell them, don't do dumb things. I want them to hear the voice of God saying, don't do dumb things. Every time I leave my house with a teenager, I like look at him. I say, don't do dumb things. All right. And I know some of you are like, well, that's negative parenting. It works for me. You have to have true north in order to navigate. And this morning, if you're sitting in this audience and you do not have true north in your life, you are going to struggle. You have to eventually figure out, after many trials and errors, 
that God's way is better than your way. And I'm here to tell you that if you would surrender to God's way, man, he has an incredible life. He says more than you could ever ask or imagine is the plan that he has for you. But at some point, you have to become less and he has to become more. And so as we get into today's text, I want you to listen to what truth can do. So we're going to read out of John chapter 14. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Um, do we have any uh, Catholics in the audience? You should know that one really well, all right? Like, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then you ring a bell. Um, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I am going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. Um, we're going to call this the word you are going to need. The word you are going to need. Now, every time you read the Bible, context is king. So you have to know who's speaking. In this one, Jesus is speaking. Who's listening? His disciples. And so in the greater context, what is the timeline? The chapter right before this is when Jesus is taking communion with his disciples. He's observing Passover. And Passover was something that Jesus said that he was excited about. So imagine God getting excited about anything. Like if you're God, think about it. It'd be hard. It'd be hard for you to get excited. Like you spoke the world into existence. Like what trumps that? And Jesus said that he had yearned and anxiously anticipated. He was excited. Just like some of you, like it's like the Cowboys or it could be the Rangers, right? Woo. A little exciting. We're going to sweep uh, going back to Arizona, I think. Anyway, um, so whenever... You get excited about things. That's the way that Jesus felt about communion. And he said, I've been waiting for this moment. Since I got here, I've been waiting for this moment. So communion was a celebration. And that celebration was symbolic and ironic at the same time. Because as he's observing this last Passover with his disciples, the representation is that the Lamb of God had to die in all of the Old Testament ceremonies, when they observed the Passover, the Lamb of God had to die in order to take away the punishment of the sins. And so every year at the Passover, that's what they would observe. Now imagine the irony that the Lamb of God was always representative of the Messiah, Jesus, that would come. And now the Lamb of God is sitting in their presence as they're observing the Passover sacrifice. The fulfillment is so close, and they're sitting in this room celebrating that God intends to forgive all sin. Well, that's so exciting, right? And, and then right after that, or in the middle of it, Jesus tells Judas, go do what you're going to do. So Judas goes out to betray Jesus. And then Peter says, Hey, Jesus, I don't know what's going on here, but I can tell you this. I will go to the death for you. And Jesus rebukes Peter, the leader of the apostles, and says, Hey, before the dawn rises, you will deny me three times. So this passage is directly after that. So the context is we are between communion and the cross. Communion was a celebration. The cross is getting ready to be a separation. 
And so he's giving them a word before they need it. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I am going to go away to a place and I'm going to prepare it for you. And you can imagine how confusing this was because they knew where Jesus was from. I mean, he was from the hood. He was from Nazareth, right? I mean, he grew up a carpenter's son and like, like Jesus, we've been to your house. We've seen it, you know, it's not a mansion. And so what is he talking about? And we'll get into that in the second half of the message. But they're sitting there trying to wrap their mind around what Jesus is saying. And it's amazing how God knows exactly what we need. And a matter of fact, he knows what we need before we need it. So some of you are sitting in here today and you're saying, Tim, my heart isn't troubled. And I'm like, yes, I'm glad. High five God that he has given you a good week. But I promise you, when you need to be collecting the words that you're going to need in the future. He knew what was getting ready to happen within hours, within moments of this moment. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Because no matter what's getting ready to happen, I'm on the other side of it. Believe in God. You see, the cross was a separation. A separation between what they wanted God to be and what he actually was. What they thought God should do and what he actually did. Now, we're not a hyper-legalistic, pharisaical church, so sometimes we're just going to build some authenticity into the service. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been upset with God that he didn't do it the way that you thought he should do it? Anybody else, anybody else ever had this mind? Like sometimes, I'm going to tell you, I'm a preacher and I have arguments with God on a regular basis. I'm like, you know, God, it would be a lot easier if you just do it my way. Does anybody else, anybody else ever presume this? Like, I know that some, some couples are always praying for the other person to change. Yeah. It'd just be so much easier if they would change, you know. Now, I know that it's just our humanity but that cross was a separation, right? Because they thought Jesus was going to liberate them from Roman occupation. And it turned out that he was intending to give his life as a sacrifice. They had left everything that they owned to follow after what they thought was a king. And he is a king. He's just not a king right now. He came to be a suffering savior. And one day when he talked about his return, he will return as the king. But man, when God doesn't do what we want him to do, and when he doesn't do what we want him to do, when we want him to do it, I would say that the average person, including myself, there's a little bit of panic. Has anybody ever had a little bit of panic? Like you're like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Like, does anybody else like have that in your mind? Like sometimes, like it's like you're, you're just trying to, you're trying to have the cool face like you believe, like, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe. I want to believe, I want to believe. And he's like, Yoda, like, always with what I can't, you know. It's like, uh, that's like a, I don't know, that was a different, I was like, uh, uh, Marlon Brando, I felt like it was Max from uh, The Princess Bride. We're just having our own conversation. That's my wife, by the way. It's not a random lady just talking to me. Imagine Jesus is speaking into them. 
knowing that the cross is getting ready to happen. And he's trying to say to them before they get there, do not let your heart be troubled. Imagine this morning he's trying to give you a word. Do not let your heart be troubled. Because if you hold on long enough, you'll realize this, that God is sometimes not going to be what you want him to be. But if you hold on long enough, you'll realize that he's better than you ever thought he could be. That he knew exactly what he was doing by allowing you to wait to grow your patience. That if you hold on long enough, you'll realize that there's actually glory and surrender. That there's, there's actually this ability when we serve, we become better. So that when we're last, we become first. So oftentimes we're trying to elevate ourselves to the supreme position. And in our marriages, you know what that looks like, you know. It's like, well, th this is the way that I was raised. This is the way I was taught to do it. And now we got your way versus my way. Well, who's the referee when we disagree? I mean, you know, because if it's your way against my way. But what if we introduced God's way? Don't you think we could both? get under whatever God's way is? Couldn't God become the referee and the arbiter of the issues that face us, that plague us, that try to divide us? Wouldn't it just be better if we did it God's way? If you hold on long enough, you'll realize, you'll realize God is better. He's better. His way is better than you thought it could be. He allows you to see things differently. And you learn that I don't want to be first in my marriage. I want to be last in my marriage. And it's amazing when you Keep, you quit keeping score how that you can say, I want to be the person that submits to God. I want to serve my spouse in a loving, sacrificial way. I want to meet all of their needs. And you start to learn to draw joy from sacrifice and from serving rather than being sacrificed to and served to. That is the message of Jesus Christ. He came not to rule the first time he came to be a servant. And he said that the greatest in the kingdom of God will be the one who serves the most. So whenever we're in this Frisco facade that is our lives, sometimes we're trying to be number one and we're trying to run everything ourselves, control everything ourselves. As a matter of fact, that $20 bill, a lot of times we just are trying to get as many of those as we possibly can, and we begin to idolize, if we're not careful, material things, temporal things, and we forget that there's an eternal thing, and the eternal thing is much more important than the temporal thing. Even when our children, sometimes we can even elevate them. I mean, we hold up our children, sometimes like they're Simba, right? You know, like, like Simba, you know, it's like, my child, look, the starting quarterback. You know, look, you know, the dancer. You know, look, the volleyball player. They go, oh, oh, you know, they're so amazing. You know, Four-star out. Anyway, you know, it's like, you know, and I'm not saying that your children shouldn't do great things, but you should teach them that those are gifts that are given to them by God, that they're tools that might lead to incredible opportunities of change, but the goal is not the thing, the goal is God. And so if you'll teach them that truth whenever they get to a place where the thing doesn't deliver, Let's say that they've been taught that football is going to take them this, let's say this money that's going to take them, their career is going to take them, whatever is going to, oh, you know what, if I just find the right person, I'll finally be whole. I've been married 27 years, and I'll tell you that my wife and I are just like you. 
She's a terrible driver. And I leave my clothes on the floor. I do it, I confess. I confess before everyone. Sometimes I put them right beside the basket. I don't know why. I don't know why. Are there any other men in here that'll stand with me? Sometimes I put it on the bathtub beside the basket because it's not quite dirty enough to be laundered. I'm just a man. I'm just trying to tell you that in life, God is trying to give us words. On Sundays, he'll give us a word. When you open your Bible through the week, when you listen to the worship songs, these are all opportunities for you to drive the word down like a seed in the soil. And many times, today's word won't be the one you need for today. But I promise you, there's going to be some things that happen in your life. And God's going to give you the same answer that he told his disciples. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. When it doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go, believe in God. I've done so many funerals in the last 30 years. And I've just seen what loss looks like. I've refereed many a divorce. And I know what loss looks like. And I'm going to tell you right now. That when you stand at those moments, you need truth. As a pastor, I have to have a truth that I can look them in the eye and say, do not let your hearts be troubled. It may be terrible right now, but God's truth will sustain you. God's truth will provide for you. Believe in God. And I can say it with a straight face that if you'll believe through this process, he might not take the pain away. He might not take the problem away. But he'll give you grace to endure. The second part of this passage that we'll, set, we'll cover in depth. And this is where I think there's going to be some fun in this passage. Jesus says, you know the way where I'm going. <laughs> Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now I want us to examine this real answer, right, of Philip. Philip <laughs> He says, I don't know where you're going. Have you ever had someone explain something to you that was just not in your wheelhouse? And like you might have even asked for it. And then you get like five minutes in and you're like, I no longer care. I regret asking this question. Like it's too much for your brain and they're over there like, well, you see the vector, you take it through the side and then you move it over here. You know, and, and they are super excited to continue on this 30-minute explanation of how sound travels and is on a record. Anyway, I'm just trying to get you to see that walking around with Jesus had to be somewhat of a tough task because he's God, right? 
Jesus is constantly saying God things. And it's like Luke looking at Yoda. He's like, well, I can move the stones, but it's an X-wing fighter in the swamps of Dagobah. And we know you can't move an X-wing fighter when it's stuck in the swamps of Dagobah. And Yoda is saying there's no difference. There's no difference. It's in your mind. It's in your mind. Now, whenever Jesus says, you know the way, all right? He's like explaining the time continuum of God in flesh, looking at him, all-knowing, omniscient, and he's saying to them, you know the way, and they're all sitting there, like there's 12 of them, right? 12 of them, and 11 of them do exactly what most of you do, right? They're like, oh yeah, 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 got it, got it, love it, yeah, mm. And only one guy was brave enough, and that was Philip. Philip's hand, you could just imagine it, right? It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. We've been walking around for three years. I still don't know. Where are you going? you got a house with a mansion. You've never had me over. I've never seen this palatial estate over there in Galilee. What are we talking about? Where are, what are you? Has anybody else ever had this problem with God? Like, so many words, right? It's not like it's so simple. The, it, the simplicity of Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The simplicity is sublime, but the complexity is maddening because, for instance, one time they had to go march around a city seven times and then yell at it and the walls fell down, okay? One time Jesus was going to pay his taxes and he went out and he told Peter, cast your line out. You're going to catch a fish, open its mouth, and there's going to be money inside of it. I've been trying to catch that fish forever, Still haven't caught it. Jesus is giving all of these things to do at different times. Sometimes God says in the Old Testament, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What do you want me to fish? You want me to yell at a wall? What do you want me to stand here? Like, yeah, okay. What are you talking about, God? Because I'll do the word that you want me to do, but tell me which one it is right now. Some of you might be sitting in here wanting so badly to do exactly what God wants, but you have no idea what that is. Man, life has a way of pressing us into these uncomfortable positions where it's, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do next? And Philip is being as honest as he knows how to be. Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the way, and I don't know where you're going. Jesus' response, I am the way. Philip, I'm the way. You say you don't know the way, do you know me? If you know me, then you know the way. You hearing what I'm saying? Some of you sitting in the room, you're saying, I don't know the way. And I would say, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus this morning? Because if you know Jesus... You know the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We have to add his strength to our struggle. We have to add his light to our darkness. That's the way we get through this season. If we do all that, we end up with the last one that we have to add his method 
to our madness. You see, all of us are a little bit crazy. You're a little bit crazy. Because to even suppose for a moment that you have any control in this world is crazy. You have no control. You have no idea what's going to happen next, what's going to happen tomorrow. You have no idea how things are going to turn out. You have no idea. And it would be crazy that you believe so. I would rather have a faith that is built upon a rock that does not move. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. God will add a method to the madness that you could trust in that won't let you down when the storms of life begin to rage. You see, we all have some common ground sitting here today. And that common ground is that we all come up short whenever we are measured against perfection. God expected us to follow every rule that we could, but by our sin, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Therefore, when I'm measured against perfection, my sin creates a stain, and that stain is impossible to remove. Therefore, I come up short. Every one of us in here has sinned. The Bible says any man that says that he has not sinned, that he is a liar, okay? So I don't think I have to convince you that you are like me. I'm a sinner. And the, the, the guy that's standing on the stage, the preacher, the man of the cloth, if you will, I'm going to tell you, if you hung out with me for more than three days, I would probably say something or do something that you would say, well, that doesn't seem like a preacher. Yeah, that doesn't seem very pastoral. When the Cowboys lose, it hurts, okay? It hurts. Oh, you losing to an unranked Kansas when we were undefeated. I almost didn't come today. I almost slept in and said, needed some me time. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The common ground is that we all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of you, every one of you comes in here in need. In need. The reason why we come to church is because we want to hear what God's word has to say. We want to commune with other believers. We want to find truths that we can tether our lives to. So I hope today that you would consider that if you're a sinner just like me, just like all of us sitting in this room, that Genesis Metro is not a church that you walk in and we're going to say that we have it all together, we have it all figured out, we have all the answers, and somehow you're a second-class citizen until you figure it out. That would, be, that would be such a fraud. It's easier for us to tell you we're a community that is based in authenticity, that it's our humility that drives us to serve because we know that we were once just like you are walking in this room, but for the grace of God, where would we be? But for the grace of God, 
Where would I be? Where would my marriage be? But for the grace of God, where would my children be? And it's not because I did something great. It's because God did something great for me. And so today I want you to know the type of community that we are, that we're not going to sit in here and try to act like we have it all together. We are going to tell you, just like I did a moment ago, that my wife and I are normal people. We are normal humans, just like you. We're trying to figure it out. We live day by day trying to figure it out. We've raised our children to be straight arrows, but sometimes they veer and sometimes they do things that drive me crazy, okay? But if we come in here and we can say, hey, we all don't have it together and we need God's word in our lives, I think God recognizes that humility and he waters that congregation because it, it's honest in our appeal to need Jesus. Our common ground is that we all come up short, but God loved us enough not to leave us without hope. It says that while we were yet in sin, Christ died for us. That's how he proves his love. Think about that for a moment. When you were at your worst, when I was at my worst, God loved me enough to send his son so that that common ground of sin and separation can be defeated by the love of the cross and the resurrection. I want to encourage you today that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way. So if you are lost this morning and you are trying to find your way out, Jesus is the way. When it comes to the truth, if you are wandering in this world and you don't know which way is up, he is the north point that allows you to get your bearings in order to try to move your family forward. When it comes to the life, I had a biology teacher that said to us in, uh, we call life science now, see, like we come up with new names for old classes. Anybody else just get a little frustrated with that? I do. It just bothers me. But he asked us to tell him what life was. This is my deep thought for the day. What is life? Like, right, life is not a substance. You can't quantify what life is. The only thing you can describe is what life does. Like, life always grows. Life has the ability to reproduce. The essence of life is demonstrable but it's not obtainable. Just like love. You can't bottle up love. You can't package love. But you know what love does. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I can't tell whether or not that life is in you, and you can't tell if that life is in me. The only way that we can, do, only way we can test it is to observe, is it producing, Right? Is it producing the things that life produces? Am I replicating? Am I growing? Is Jesus changing me from the inside out? Then I would say that's life. I also needed his life to rescue me from death. Jesus dying on the cross is the antidote for death. It is the origin of my opportunity to escape and to find a better life in Christ. For those of you that weren't raised in a Christian household, as I was not, Finding Jesus changed my life forever. 
It changed how I was going to marry. It changed how I was going to parent. It changed how I was going to live. It changed the words that I'd used. It changed the thoughts that I had. I needed a whole radical reconstruction from the paradigm that I was raised in. I needed the way, the truth, and I needed the life. Because without the life of Christ inside of me, I was lost. And I hope today that if you walked in here, that you realize, hey, we're all The ground is level at the cross. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, but God doesn't want to leave you there. He wants you to love you. He wants to love you to eternal life. And if you would receive Jesus Christ here today, I promise you it would change everything in your world. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, God, help us today to acknowledge you. God, I pray that everyone would receive you as the way, the truth, and the life. No matter what they're problem is, no matter what their question is, God, that the answer is Jesus, that it has always been Jesus, it will always be Jesus. And as some walked in here today, like Philip, it's okay to ask the question, God, I don't know what you are talking about. And Jesus looks at you today and he says, me, I am the way, I am the truth. That if you would just believe in me, Jesus says, I'll get you through this. I promise you I'll get you safely to your divine destination. I promise you I'll give you grace to endure. I'll give you hope in the midst of hopeless. Today, I don't know who needed to hear this word. But I promise you, life is always better when Jesus is leading. Would you stand and worship with us?